And this is Deion Dawkins, man. And you're listening to The Scoop on OwlScoop.com. You already know. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Scoop, OwlScoop.com's podcast. Season 9, episode 23. I'm OwlScoop.com editor John DiCarlo. I'm with Declan Landis, Remy Vaughn, and Johnny Zwizlak. This week, Kyle Gals could not be with us this week. Hopefully, we'll have him back next week. Got a great show ahead for you guys. We have an interview with Temple guard Jaleel White. Talking to him about, of course, the, the tough loss that they're coming off of uh, this weekend down at ECU. The Owls have lost six in a row, certainly not playing great basketball. He's going to talk to – you guys will hear him talk to me about what they need to do to win this weekend down at Tulane, what they need to do to snap this – Six-game losing streak and just some of the some of the ups and downs, more downs they've had this season in Adam Fisher's first season. Got some football talk ahead for you, some good mailbag questions to get to, some women hoops, women's hoops as well. The scoop, as always, is brought to you all by Greenspan and Greenspan Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured while on the road or the highway in the crash was someone else's fault, the insurance company is not going to be on your side. You need us, Temple Law grads, who will fight hard to get the compensation that you deserve. We only get paid if we win, so in Pennsylvania or New York. Call us today at 215-261-7359. It's 215-261-7359. And you can find them on the web at greenspans-law.com. That's greenspans-law.com. Gentlemen, it's our Michael Jordan episode. So he doesn't count in the in the numbers game. I feel like we need to refocus. We were having way too much fun before we started recording. Yeah. Just a little bit, you know. We got to get our mind on the uh, on the task here. <laughs> refocus. How would you look at me like that and <laughs> like put your hand <laughs> in there? Does. The I task here. I mean it. I mean it. We got to get on track, you know. Very. I mean s- you were very stern. You just you know the way the way you chopped your hand down. Thank you. That's the best way to be. Very direct. Have you guys ever heard the term? I like the cut of your jib. No. 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 You're going to have to explain that one. I have. You're going to have to explain that one. What does it mean? Chelsea asked me to, I think she texted me yesterday while she was at work, and she said, you know what phrase needs to make a comeback, and it's that. And she's like, do you think you could incorporate it into the scoop? And I said, I'll try. I said, will you listen to the podcast if I do? She's like, yeah, if you do. So this is me. This is me incorporating it. (laughs) One more listener. (laughs) You didn't even try to sneak it in. (laughs) No, I didn't. Very very just abrupt. I want to be transparent. (laughs) Didn't you just say, you know, best way to do it, be direct? You're right. right. What What does it mean, Declan? You you know what it means? I like the cut of your jib. Yeah. I just like how you operate. I like the way that you. There we go. Yeah, you do things. There we go. Okay. I've never heard that before once in my life. I felt like you could have snuck that in somewhere. Oh, I definitely could have. I just. I just wanted to throw a 75-mile-per-hour fastball right down the plate. Just I appreciate that. I Johnny, appreciate if you could maybe incorporate into our class Thursday night, that'd be great. I'll, I'll try. I, th- I, think, I think I could find a way. Yeah? It's oh, too yeah. bad that you've already done your media critique. You could be like, I like the cut of this guy's jib. You know, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah. I'm talking about your article. What sort of voice was that? That was like... <laughs> That yeah. was like it was like 1987 mechanic from Detroit. Hey, I like the cut of this guy's jib. Oddly specific. I like the cut of this guy's jib. Did you have a person in mind when you gave that example? That's something I like Beverly Hills Cop or something I was like that. Tommy Boy. Yeah, a lot of good lines from this movie. A lot, a lot, a lot of, of good, good lines. lines a lot of good lines. Yeah. yeah. How you guys doing otherwise? Ah, oh, pretty good. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm happy to be back. <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> you just just openly, openly, openly on you. the pod. That's crazy. I love that's you. Crazy. I love you. That's, that's crazy. 
<laughs> you make with like the the pause sound, which I do too. Eh, I don't know. I'm I'm good. Yeah. No, awesome. I just it, I just had to take a second to think about it. Yep. Declan, I'm here. Chilling, hanging in. Chilling, <laughs> hanging in. Big weekend this weekend. Yeah. What makes it a big weekend? I am putting the uh, the old commentator microphone on again. Mm-hmm. And I am broadcasting. Is this thing on, ladies and gentlemen? Is this thing on? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome in, folks at home. Um, but no, I'm uh, I'm broadcasting the SL24 Memorial Classic in mm-hmm. Wilmington, Delaware, which is uh, is really near and dear to my heart. So I'm very excited. And who are you going to watch this weekend? I am going to watch in Tobiasen, up you close sure in person for the second time. Yeah, well, second time at least since he's committed to Temple. So signed with Temple. Yeah, yeah. Very Johnny Ramirez, you guys are going to? Yes, yes, sir. We'll, be so we'll have some Aiden Tobias and content on the pod next week. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And tune in. Watch the uh, watch the classic. It's gonna yes. be really cool. And it's always a really cool tournament every year. You'll get to hear Declan's beautiful voice. Play by player color. Not sure. Whatever they tell me to do. Yeah. So I'm. I've been getting my notes ready all week. Are you gonna be wearing a suit to the game? I do not really have a suit at this moment. We yeah. might go shopping in between, but the plan right now is quarter zip shirt tie. Mm. You can't go Classic. wrong with a Q-Zip. I love a QZ. I, I love the <laughs> QZ I have right now. <laughs> yeah, big, big QZ guy. The, the quarter zip is the official game day outfit of Alscoop.com. And it, nothing, game. it's like a distant second after that. Yeah. Tramir <laughs> had the yeah. best quarter zip of the season. The white one? Yeah. Yeah, we picked that up, actually. That was like that was the Primark one, right? Yes. That was like $12? 22 I think. Oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> not, not as cool of a story. What's that thing? Five bucks? <laughs> not, not as cool of a story, though. No. Almost didn't get it. But he did. But you're glad you did. I he am. wowed everybody in the press box. He so did? quarter zip, shirt and tie. Trip. Quarter zip, shirt, tie. Probably nice little purple shirt. Gray tie. There mm. you go. Black QZ. Okay. There That's my go. favorite outfit. I like that outfit a lot. You have a second favorite outfit? Not really. No. no. I like uh, actually that's not true. I have a, it's a Shaq polo, like the Shaq brand <laughs> JC Penney polo, but it's like this knit, knit sweater type. You do polo. love that knit sweater, yeah. Yeah, uh, and it's uh, in black pants. Okay. I lo- yeah. I'm a big monochrome I no- guy. I had no idea that the Shaq had his own clothing line until you told me. Shaq has everything. Yes. <laughs> Shaq, Shaq, wherever there's money to be made, Shaq is there, and I respect the heck out of him for it. Now you guys are going too. Yes. Have yes. you planned out your outfits for the for the weekend? I mean, they're just going to watch basketball. Yeah, I was more going for the experience and the, uh, you know, see Aiden play again. But, I mean, maybe we could just make it a quarter zip trio and just. We could. We do have a party to go to after we go. And I was debating on whether or not I was going to dress for the party or dress for, you know, just to watch basketball. What kind of of party? Like, how are you going to dress for the party? It's our friend's birthday. Okay. So, we're going after when we come back. There you go. Famous number 23s, guys. <laughs> LeBron James. Yes. Rodney McLeod. Ooh, Ooh. that's a good one. The Eagles could have Patrick used Chung. It. Is this naming defensive backs that the Eagles could have used this year? <laughs> <laughs> a, James uh, Butler. Oh, yeah. Oh, we'll yeah. That. Colts? That's no. not Jimmy Butler. No. That's James Butler. James Butler, that's funny. The Eagles had a running back in the late 80s or early 90s or mid-90s named Heath Sherman, who I believe was number 23. Sometimes I think you're making these up. 
Yeah. Look it up. Heath Sherman. No, I don't look up the numbers ahead of time. Why would I? Why? Would, yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Not only do you look them up ahead of time, sometimes you you look them up in real time. Uh, oh, I got one. I know I wasn't alive in 1965, <laughs> but uh, Don Drysdale came to me. <laughs> there's there's footage of everything, John. <laughs> except back, back <laughs> except Wilt's 100 point game. Oh well. No, nah, it's, yeah. it's definitely footage of everything except oh. No, yeah. <laughs> That's kinda, Come on now. It is kind of crazy. Come on now. Wake what up, are, sheeple. Sheeple. Oh, boy. <laughs> what, other, what other 23s? Kenny uh, Moore wears 23. Colts, nickel corner. I'm trying to think. I can't. Should we, do some, should we do some trivia? Let's do some trivia. Yeah. I'm much better at that than thinking on the spot. I'm thinking of a guy. I cannot remember if he wore 23... Well, that's we're off the hot start here. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. I, 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 according to our favorite website, he wore number shout twenty-three. But I can't. Yeah, shoutoutranker.com. Um, no free shoutouts. He, I guess he wore this number later in his career. A former NFL running back, insanely infectious personality, very funny, known for eating candy. Oh, Marshawn, oh Marshawn, Marshawn Lynch. Lynch. I thought he, he was 24. He wore with the Did Bills. He wore, he wore with the, he wore oh, with the Bills like early or he wore with the Raiders? No, he wore 23 with the um, the Bills okay. after he was drafted. No, that's weird. I only see him as a 24. Yeah. yeah. Former Phillies manager. Very, he was a much, much better player, Hall of Famer, but not a Hall of Fame manager. Catcher? No, the Phillies traded him away very early on in his career. Oh, Ryan Sandberg. Yes, wow. Ryan Sandberg. Can you spell his first name? R Y N E. There you go. Come on now. There you go. A uh, guy who was an Eagle for a day. Frank Gore. Frank Gore. A man who spoke at Temple University earlier this fall. Good thing I go former, to the speaker series. Former, <laughs> former player, former manager. Oh, player and manager. It was what? not this year. Don, Don Mattingly. Oh, it was last yeah. year. That was last oh. year. Oh. That's My the one I went to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wish I was at that. I heard it was awesome. Yeah. Unibrow. AD. Anthony Davis. Oh, Anthony, yeah. Yes. Rejected by Anthony Davis. <laughs> <laughs> I love that commercial. I'm gonna go with. Oh, I'm just looking down the the list here. I'm gonna. I'm trying to think of ones that you guys could could get. Hmm. That's crazy. Try us. That's we, crazy. We may know more than you. Yeah. We we leave. I don't older, like to be older. Limited baseball like that. player hit a home run that was referred to as the shot heard around the world. Oh. Oh god. You got me. I'm cooked. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. I can picture the call. The, the Giants, Giants win the pennant. Yeah. I have no idea. Bobby Thompson. Bobby Thompson. Would have never got that. I'm sorry, Claire, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, you've let down Claire Smith. Yeah, I should have. Former Texans running back. Adrian Foster. Yes. Arian, Arian Foster. Arian Foster, yep. Well, no, another former Eagles player, much better than Heath Sherman. Former Eagles defensive player. Okay. This guy tormented me in my first year on the Eagles beat. Loved to haze me and tease oh. me. Oh. I remember the stories. Five-time Pro Bowl selection. Eagles Hall of Fame inductee, a Walter Payton Man of the Year award winner. Really? He is now an NFL executive. Tony, Troy Vincent. Yes, Troy Vincent. Ah. Uh, 
I can there's imagine some, a young There are some Reminer. hockey players here that only Pat Egan would care about. We'll go one more. Let me. I'm going to give you guys one more before we move on to the rest of the pod here. One more, number 23. There, we've got some to choose from. Do this one for Kyle, former Atlanta Brave. Good. <laughs> Played from uh, 1989 to 2002. Oh, no. The National League Rookie of the Year in 1990. He was an ALCS MVP in 2000 for a different team. Left-handed hitter. Was with Halle Berry at one point. Ooh. I don't know. Dave Justice. I wouldn't have gotten that. Yeah, no idea who that is. I'm sorry. One last one. This guy was arguably the greatest return specialist of all time. Devin Hester. Yeah, Devin Hester. Hester. Oh. Very good. Very good. I always trade for him in Madden. Is a must. Yeah, Madden yeah. 13. Is a must. Get a yeah. stop on defense, get a punt return <laughs> touchdown. Mm-hmm. Offense don't see the field. Yeah. Right? Nope. <laughs> E.J. Yes. Warner, my quarterback, uh-huh. <laughs> the New York Giants. It's <laughs> <laughs> quite a lineup. Yeah, it is. It no was good seg- no yeah. good segue out of that one. Oh. We did promise you. It's okay. <laughs> we promised you guys an interview with Jaleel White at the outset of the show. Had the chance to catch up with Jaleel not long after Temple's sixth loss in a row. Of course, a tough one for the Owls this weekend down at ECU. Jaleel before that game, had probably been playing, I, I would think, probably his most confident stretch of basketball in a while, but uh, went scoreless in that game. Temple had a chance to win this game, of course. If you're a Temple fan, you know they had a chance to win it at the buzzer. Heister Miller missed a layup. Did not play well in overtime. They missed all five of their threes. So, yeah, the rough rough times for the Owls right now. They've lost six in a row. It could be some rough times ahead, but Jaleel and I talked about this season, going back a little bit to his career and his life, what got him started in basketball. So uh, we'll play this interview for you, and we'll have more for you on the other side. Uh, Jaleel, obviously you guys are coming off a, a tough game Saturday, 70-64 overtime loss. Beyond the obvious stuff, just like what, what went wrong for you guys in that game? What got away from you? I know you were dealing with foul trouble, but what were some of the things that you guys go back and look at that game and say, man, that, that got away from us? Uh, we watched film this morning on that game, and it was uh, all the little things. Like It was really a Temple beat Temple game. It was like our turnovers, our free throws. Free throws on the road are big, so we got to be able to make free throws on the road especially. Being smart, making the right decisions down the stretch, that's pretty much it, just the, the small things, rebounding those and making the right decisions. And just for you personally, was it the foul trouble that got you off track? I mean, that was you, you held score list, didn't get a shot off. Did that get you off track more than anything? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Being a foul trouble, I mean, I wasn't able to be out there as much as I wanted to and would have been if I wasn't in foul trouble. So yeah, that that really threw my game off. I would say I have to be smarter. Um, I got to I got to know that the refs know I'm an aggressive defender and they're going to call. Tiki Tech fouls on me, so I just got to approach the game in a smarter mindset. That's probably easier said than done, though, right? Like, you've always been a good defender, but a lot is asked of you defensively on this team. Again, is that easier said than done to say, look, I want to be aggressive, but I have to be smart about it? How do you pull that off? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a million times easier said than done because the way I play, all I know is go hard, like, just mm-hmm. be aggressive, and things will turn out the right way, so... It's definitely an adjustment that I have to make, but it's definitely easier said than done, and I feel like it's going to be hard. And I mean, I, I can do it, though. Just mm-hmm. take it to, take it to breath and calm down a little bit. I think it'll be all right. I'd say prior to this weekend, you're probably playing, I would think, 
maybe your your best and maybe your most confident stretch of basketball since you've been here. Nine, you know, nine out of twelve games in double figures, and in the, in the games you were healthy. Would you did you feel like that was like your most confident stretch of basketball in a long time? Uh, yeah and no. Like as much as it may look like from the outside that I'm playing my better basketball, more confident. It's 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 not nowhere near as my isn't nowhere near as where I know I can play at and I know the level that I can reach like with this game and what I know I have in me. So like, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, and no to that question. It looks like in this in this offense, you look at least from the outside looking at you look more confident driving to the rim. You look more decisive in terms of what you want to do, when you want to do, whether it's like. It seems like you're taking elbow jumpers that you wouldn't have taken last year and stuff like that. Do you feel a little bit more confident in that way where you kind of feel like you know what you want to do and when you want to do it? Yeah, I mean, that all comes from experience. Uh, I feel like the game is 10 times as much slowed down this year as it was before. And it, it all comes from experience and just learning from each game and getting better. It looks like, I mean, just like you don't have, obviously you don't have the wrap on your finger anymore. Does it feel about as close to 100% as it's going to feel at this point? Yeah, my finger. Actually, I did play with the wrap on last game, but I I won't be playing with it anymore. So, yeah, it feels 100% and as strong as it should be back to normal. Originally, when it first happened, you're going up and trying to you get your hand caught on the rim, right? Yeah, I went for an alley-oop, and the ball actually hit my finger. And then I came, like, when on my way down from the alley-oop, I grabbed the rim. And I came down, and I just looked at my finger. It was dislocated. I didn't really feel it, but, like, I just looked at it, and I just started freaking out, and I pulled it back into place. Wait, was that the first time that ever happened to you? Uh, no, it actually happened to my pinky, my other hand's pinky, last year. What's that like when you look down at your hand, and you're like, oh, like, that's pretty horrifying to see. Is it kind of, like you said, you're freaking out. Is that weird when you're on the court and you have to keep it together? Or? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a hard thing to do. Um, it's scary, honestly. Like, you just look at your finger, like, holy crap, like, my, it's crooked. And then when you when you re-aggravate it, how tough is that? We were like, okay, I just felt like I was getting back in the swing of things. And, and when it happens again, mm-hmm. what's the mental part of it like? We're like, okay, is this going to keep happening? That's that, that part's a struggle. I feel like the mental part of it is the hardest part. Like, just having doubts some days. Like, am I just going to be fully healthy one day or mm-hmm. not? Like, it's just... Uh, uh, it, uh, you definitely have your days mentally with injuries like this. All things considered, though, feeling pretty good now about yes. as good as this felt. No doubt. Looking ahead to, to this weekend, Tulane's been kind of like an up-and-down team. I mean, they beat Memphis. They played uh, they played FAU tough. And then they've lost their last two. Kevin Cross is a really good player. I know you guys mm-hmm. don't want to give away the game plan, but I have to imagine he might be your defensive assignment with you being probably the team's best defensive player and what do you look at so far if, if you guys looked at a ton of film on them or is it more just working on your own stuff before you get into them no we haven't even looked at anything on them yet uh, I, we will tomorrow in practice but no we haven't looked at that but um uh yeah I feel like they're a very beatable team they're really good I mean their offense is top 20 in the country right now yeah so it's going to be um pretty hard to slow them down but I feel like it's a very capable thing to do I don't want to say the defense is an afterthought for them, but they definitely thrive off of getting as many possessions, as many shots up. They feel like they're still, from what you've seen and been able to see, like they're doing some of the same stuff, same yeah, approach. Yeah, same exact two lane. Uh, try to run it up on offense, and their defense is just like a weird zone man, like pass off switch. It's like, yeah, they don't really put as much. Um, they're just not on the defensive side of things as much as their offensive side. 
Do you feel like you guys are used to seeing a lot of that, though? Like some form of zone and, and say, okay, these guys have struggled with shooting. We're just going to try to zone them up and see if they can get us out of it and force us force us out of it. Oh, uh, yeah, most definitely. Um, I don't know the exact amount of games, but a lot of games this year, teams have went zone on us, try to uh, switch it up for us. Adams talked about after a loss, like, again, nobody likes to lose. He keeps saying the message to the team is stick together. Mm-hmm. Again, beyond the obvious stuff, like, what does that look like to you guys? You're, you're one of the veterans on this team, guys like you and Hysir. Mm-hmm. When he says, like, stick together, again, probably easier said than done. You guys are on a six-game losing streak. Nobody likes to lose. But what does that look like inside the locker room in practice when, it talk, when, when he says stick together and not getting too down? Like, if you had to walk fans through that, what's it like when you're kind of weathering a losing streak and you can't let yourself get too down? I feel like it's like... Just keeping the energy positive because it's easy for things to, for things and guys to just turn on each other because things aren't going our way. But that's something that you don't see with this team. Like, uh, we're 100% together. We all believe in each other and we believe that we're a lot better than what we've been showing and we are. And I feel like as long as we continue to stay together, continue to cheer each other on, be great teammates, be great friends on and off the court, um, we're going to be all right. That's, that's what staying together is for me, just being a good friend and teammate on and off the court. Is that something that's kind of come with, with, with Adam and his staff? Does it feel a little, little different this year? Yeah, it definitely feels a little different, for sure. Having a whole new staff and basically a whole new team, yeah. Everybody knows you guys want to be winning more than you have, but if mm-hmm. you had to describe the culture of the program right now to somebody, what would you say? A tough, gritty, hardworking, Defensive-minded program. That's how. That's how I see Temple. That's like when I hear Temple. That's what comes to my mind. Just really gritty, tough, like that Philly toughness, like and defensive-minded. Adam hasn't been afraid to show his emotions. I mean, at one point, he takes his suit jacket off and mm-hmm. throws it, and it, whether it's he gets frustrated over a call or something like that, and. He'll kind of say, ah, maybe I need to dial that back. But you can tell he's emotional and he wants it. It seems like he wants it just as badly as you guys do. Does that kind of rub off on you guys sometimes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we see how much this this game impacts coach emotionally, physically, mentally. He's a very passionate guy and he loves what he does. And it definitely rubs off on us because we want to be there to back his every step. So mm-hmm. we see him being passionate is going to pass down to us. We've talked a bunch of times, but I don't know if we've gone as far back. What's your earliest basketball memory? When did you start playing the game growing up? What got you into it? The group of friends that I had, we were all like, we were all athletes. We all played on the same teams, football, basketball, track. It was all just like the same little group. And the first memory that I can remember uh, is probably playing AAU with my CMC elite team. Mm -hmm. We had a bunch of really good guys down there. And that was just the most fun I had during basketball. That was like the time I saw like higher competition, started playing. I was playing up a age level, so started playing up and I really started to, and at that time I was like a five, I was telling everyone, so I played the five. And I feel like that's when I really started to grow and take the next step. Yeah, when did, you hit that, when did you hit that growth spurt? When did you get to be as tall as, as you were? As so you when I was really young, I wanna say around the ages, I don't know, I can't, I can't even tell you age, but so when I was really young, I was always the tallest, and then everyone caught up to me, and then around eighth grade, ninth grade, I hit another growth spurt, and I was just taller than most kids, except Taj. People used to say, like, when, like, obviously Temple was recruiting Taj first time around, he ends up here now, 
But it, I feel like people around that program were saying, like, hey, like, Jaw's got a really well-rounded game. Like, his best basketball is ahead of him. Did that kind of, like, was that kind of the vibe around you? Did you, around you to do, did you always kind of feel like that confidence? Like, yeah, my best, my best basketball might be ahead of me at this point. At what point? Like, in high school, I feel like a lot of people, like, when you committed and you signed, mm-hmm. a lot of people were saying, hey, Aaron got a, like, got a sleeper here. And obviously, you mm-hmm. got hurt. A lot of people were saying, hey, if you didn't, if you didn't hurt your knee, you might have even picked up some, some more day, offers yeah. and all that stuff. Like, when you start hearing stuff like that, did that kind of start to instill you with a little bit more, more confidence and saying, like, wow, this could be, there could be some really good days ahead for me in this game? Um, I always had the mindset. I always had the confidence and knew where I stood and what my capability was. So, mm-hmm. no, hearing the outside stuff didn't really affect my or impact my confidence because mm-hmm. I knew what I had. So, no, not really. When you were growing up in Whitesboro, like not far from the shore, how did you end up at Wildwood Catholic? Did you always know you were going there? Did you have a, a few schools kind of vying for you and saying, hey, come here, come come play for us? So, like I said, it was like a group of kids that we all, we did all play the same sports together. And the older guys, they, they took their talents to Wildwood Catholic. And those were the guys that I was looking up to at the time. And we wanted to continue to play with. So that's how I ended up at Catholic. Guys like Caleb Fields, Charles Fields, even Jalen Freeman. He transferred out his freshman year, but mm-hmm. Jalen Freeman, all those guys ahead of me. You know, I texted back and forth to you about this. Like a few weeks ago, I got a chance to go back. Steve DePatrick is a good friend of mine, the Wildwood mm-hmm. Catholic girls basketball coach. And after the game, we got to catch up because he used to coach at Sacred Heart, and I covered his teams out there. And he was just bringing me around and introducing me to people. And you can see how well-respected you are there. Mm-hmm. As Steve was introducing me, saying, oh, John, you know, he runs Al Scoop, and he works at Temple, too. And like, oh, how's John doing? First words out of their mouth. What, what was the, the atmosphere like around there? And why do you think people – I know you're a pretty humble guy, but why do you think people speak that highly about you? Everybody wanted to know how you're doing. How's he doing? Is he feeling better? Is he going to play this week? Everybody wanted to know how you were doing. It was cool to see. And they were, they were just asking about you as a person as well. And you can tell that you had a really good impact on people there. Why do you think that was? What was it like there for you? Uh, I feel like down there, some of the things that they will always say about me was I was a good kid and I was respectful. I mean, I was respectful. So I feel like when time, like with stuff like that, if you give respect, you're going to give respect. And that's, that's always what I try to do. Growing up, be a respectful kid, that's something that my parents instilled in me. Mm-hmm. And everyone saw that. They saw how good of a kid I was. Uh, my support system, uh, my humbleness, my confidence, and just, just, just being a good person to everyone. Mm-hmm. That's what I tried to do growing up, and I feel like that's why they have that love for me down there. And then Steve brought me over to Patrick Flynn, a longtime police officer over there, and he's like, oh, my God, I've been working out with Jaws since he was, since he was this X amount of years old. What was it like? Is he one of the guys that got you into the game and was working out over there? Yeah, yeah. Flynn, was, he was my guy for sure. He definitely took a, a great care of me. We would get in the gym every single day working out for at least two hours. Um, he'd take me home, pick me up to get me to the gym. And he was a wild Catholic guy, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I felt comfortable making that move with him by my side, too. When did you start to know when you were younger that, like, even before your AAU days, did you know at a certain point, like, oh, I've got got a chance, like, I want, I really want to do this. Like, you said you could have been a football player to track. When did you know that you were going to, that basketball was going to be your sport and you might have had a chance to be a D1 player? That decision was made my eighth grade year. I would say it was one of the hardest decisions that I've ever made in my life because football, I was best at. I just didn't love it as much as basketball. I didn't enjoy it as much as basketball. So eighth grade, Wild Catholic doesn't have a football team, so I had yeah. to make my decision to go to my public school, 
which is Middle Township or Wildwood Catholic, and so you could have been like a like a like an ex receiver at, yeah, at, at Middle Township. Yeah. Uh huh. Were they trying to get you there to play football? Oh yeah, most definitely. Yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. But they wanted me over there for basketball more than football. Right. Was it just as simple as like I love basketball more and that's why I want to do it? Uh yeah, a little bit of that and like after football games, my body would just be like. Hurt and I was tired yeah. of getting hit in football, yeah. honestly. So, what did, what position did you play? Where you played running back, quarterback, wide receiver, defensive end, middle linebacker. I was I was really one of them in football. Sheesh! And yeah. what? How tall were you as a as a running back? At least six four, six six three. Yeah, you don't see too many six four yeah. running backs out there. I was there. Just bigger than everyone, faster, a little bit stronger than everyone. You're probably getting hit because you're six four and you're not yeah. like lower to the ground. You uh-huh. you get like you feel like your hips were exposed and your ribs were exposed and all that. Is that yeah. part of what where the pain was coming from? Oh uh, yeah, most definitely. And after games, I would have like these lumps on my arm from like helmets just hitting my forearms constantly. It was, it was a lot. What will it take ultimately for you guys to like get out of this losing streak here? And again, I know you guys are frustrated and want to get things turned around. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it feels like at times like you guys are close. You play some really good stretches of basketball and like you said it'll be like a missed defensive assignment or like a missed foul shot or something like that what do you think is going to help you guys turn the corner uh just continuing to get better um figuring out how to win games if you look at our last couple games it's us beating ourselves we have the lead we put ourselves in a position and we somehow lose the game but uh, it's um just keeps taking steps to get better and just trust the process continue to uh stay together and stay in the gym and things are going to go our way eventually are there guys on the staff beyond Adam Fisher that you like working out with, that you've connected with, whether it's Bobby, Michael Huger, Chris? I mean, Chris, you've known for a long time. He recruited you. Mm-hmm. Or, or Lynn or, or Khalif Y. Any of those guys that they've kind of formed a special relationship with that have helped you out? Uh, yeah, no doubt. I would say, I mean, I've formed a special relationship with my entire new staff, honestly. Um, Lynn Greer, I knew him a little bit. I knew him a lot before Coach Fisher and them because I grew up with his son, right. basically. So... I grew up playing against Lynn, so I've been new Lynn. Um, Coach Huger, a great guy. I built a relationship with him. But, but the uh, person I would say I built a relationship the most with is Khalif Wyatt. Mm-hmm. Um, we get in the gym every day before practice, after practice. And just seeing him play when I was younger, he's someone that you look up to and you want to come to Temple for. And uh, he's, a great, he's a great mentor. I think he knew eventually it was a compliment. People would say he had some old man's game, the mm-hmm. way he was shot fake and all that stuff. But does he let his personality shine through with you guys? Because he's really, he's really, really funny too. Like yeah, he even on the court hilarious. when he played here, it was funny. The referees used to laugh at him. Yeah, he's hilarious. Leap is hilarious. Bro. It's funny you say that because he's really a funny guy. And it's, it's his personality. Mm-hmm. It's just who he is. He doesn't know no better. What does he like about your game? What does he want to get more of out of you when he talks to you? Confidence, shooting the ball, my playmaking. Yeah, that's what we that's what we work on the most: passing and just shooting. You guys have two really good players coming in next year: Dylan Batie and Aiden Tobias. And mm-hmm. how much did you get a chance to be around those guys on their visits? And how much do you get to get the chance to watch them or just see clips of them? It looks like they look like two really good ball players and have a really good senior season. It looked like guys that could step in right away and help you guys. Yeah, the, both of those guys have really high potential. I would say I didn't get to spend as much time with Aiden as Dylan, but, yeah, Aiden's a great kid. Um, his energy is really bright, and he has good size. and can really knock the uh, three ball down. And Dylan, that's my guy. He was um, – I had him on his visit. And we've just clicked. Like he's a really cool kid, athletic. He's a dog. Mm-hmm. Like if you if you 
follow him on social media, you see that he just had 41 points in nine minutes or yeah. some crazy stuff yeah, like yeah. that. So that's, that's really impressive. Uh, they both have a bright future ahead of them. Honestly. How much does a player like it? Like, I mean, obviously, Aiden can help you, but to be playing alongside someone like Dylan in the front court and having a piece like that, I mean, there are some people think that he comes in and has a chance to be as good an athlete as anybody in the league right mm -hmm. away. How much do you think he'll help and just take some pressure off of what you're asked to do because you're asked to do so much? Uh, I feel like he'll help a lot. He has great size, great feel for the game, really smart, and he's super athletic. So at this level, that's those are some things that you really need and to be successful. And uh, I feel like he has all the tools. He just has to put it together now at this level. When you obviously you have a lot of basketball left ahead of you, when when it's done, however far like your career takes you, whether it's the NBA, overseas, mm -hmm. what, do you ever think about what you want to do after basketball? Like, what else you're passionate about? What you want to do? Yeah, I wanna I wanna be an agent. I wanna be an agent at some point in my life after basketball. That that's the plan for right now. So you might want to go to law school or something like that. Yeah, learn. for sure. What 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 made you want to get interested in that? Uh, my friend, he's actually going through that process right now, and mm -hmm. we we're having a conversation about it. And it's it's a very doable thing, and I feel like I'll enjoy it. I'll enjoy You'll it. Constantly for sure. be tied to your phone and yeah. just you know. Just having the connections that I have now, being able to market my players and other, like, just people, yeah. Right, thanks again to Jaleel White for joining me on The Scoop this week. Again, Temple's 8-13 and 13 overall, 1-7 and seven now in the American after that 70-64 to 64 overtime loss at ECU. Heisier Miller, as I said before the interview with Ja, missed that layup that would have, of course, won at regulation. They're playing at Tulane Sunday at 4 p.m., We'll see if they get Steve Settle back. He's missed the last two games with what's been called a, a non-COVID illness. Again, they shot poor late ECU, two for 10 in overtime, missed all five of their threes. They turned it over 14 times. You could say that maybe Quante Berry and Emmanuel Ocpomo were some bright spots off the bench. But otherwise, hasn't been going well. You can see where there are just some, some talent outages on the floor, I would say. Um, just sometimes where you can just see where they, they need help at certain positions. Tulane, as we're looking ahead to that game, Tulane's 12-8 and eight overall, 3-5 and five in the league. They've lost two in a row. They've had a weird season. They've been very much up and down. If you look at a common opponent, they routed Rice, and they only lost to FAU by a point. They upset Memphis earlier this month, but then they lost to UTSA and Charlotte in these last two games. Charlotte's an understandable loss. They're playing really well. UTSA, not a great loss for them. We'll see. See how the Owls handled them. On the road, speaking of a team that's been up and down, Temple's back on the upswing. Diane Richardson's women's basketball team, they're hosting Wichita State Wednesday night. So when this drops, whether it's Tuesday night or Wednesday morning, you'll, you might be hearing this on Wednesday morning, so we might say tonight. Uh, Wichita State's 6-15 and 15 overall, 2-7 and seven in the conference. So again, this is a game that Temple should win, but we've said that before, and they lost to Memphis. So Temple's coming off a, an 18-point win at Tulane, pretty dominant win down there. And you look at some of the numbers. They're seventh in the nation in offensive rebounds per game, 13th in turnover margin, and they're first in the conference in assist-to-turnover ratio. Those are those are good stats to, to have that typically speak to effort, speak to discipline, and speak to just, you know, resiliency. And yet they've still had these stretches where Diane Richardson says, oh, I was embarrassed by her effort. We need to work harder on the defensive end. And I feel like... I'll ask you guys the, the, the same question. D does this stick? Again, we're not expecting them to go undefeated the rest of the way, but do we have reason to think, again, like they should beat Wichita State. Have they learned enough from 
the last time around when they were supposed to beat Memphis, played a bad game, mental lapses down the stretch. This team is kind of seesaw back and forth. But again, you look at some of those numbers and they tell a partially good story. Again, feel like a broken record, but do they turn the corner this week and win a game? I'm not to say this would be a big defining win, but have they started to learn from from past mistakes? See, it's it's tough because I after the after the Memphis game and then they they won their next game, I was like, yes, like that was like good teams have bad games, like it happens. And then they lose to Tulsa in that mind lapse where Tyrese hits that three, but didn't get it off in time. And I, I want to say yes, like they're going to turn it around, like they're they're going to be the team that that destroyed Wichita State and seemed like they were going to go on and do, like move up in the American Conference and be a, be the great team that like we've said before that we think they can be. But like it's hard for me because when they have these mind lapses and they have these moments, it's hard for me to say like yes, they're 100 percent going to turn the corner and be that team that we think they can be. But I I do think they'll beat Wichita State on Wednesday. I mean after that the way they beat them last time. And I think I asked this, but like did they talk about like why again any team is capable of having lapses of underestimating opponents, but why is why is it happening with this team? Because again, like some of those stats really strike me. Like they do rebound well. And when the effort is there, it's really there. And in in some categories that count, it's not like they're like a high scoring team that also like just doesn't care about rebounding or doesn't care about taking care of the ball. Like there's some weird numbers that don't add up. Part of it again just might be the fact that like Diane's a year and a half into her tenure at Temple, but why why do those lapses happen? I I really don't know. I mean, it seems like it, the it comes down to the defense. Like when it comes down to how they're communicating and how um, they how they're able to turn their defense into offense when scoring in transition. And I think that's really where it comes from. If their defense doesn't come out strong right away, I think that's and there's a lack of effort kind of there on the defensive end. I think that's where you see them in close games to the end and then they lose it towards the end and aren't able to come out on top when they're playing from behind like that. I think you see it excuse me. I think you see it every time they're when their highs are high, like Dell State, you know, that opening game of the year, when they're high, they're very high. Dell State's also not very good. Yeah. Not trying to I take mean, away anything from, from Diane's team, but yeah, that was, that was, I mean, that was impressive though. That nonetheless, like they put up some insane numbers in that game. Point, my, my point was like, when they're, when they're confident, mm-hmm. then everything is there. They're all, they're clicking, whether it's shooting, defending, rebounding. When they're, when their confidence is high, they're good. When they come out and they might miss a couple shots or the other team, their, their opponent will come out and make a couple threes or, you know, get some easy shots at the rim or just shots that fall that might not fall all the time and their confidence starts to dwindle, the effort starts to dwindle. Mm-hmm. So I I think it's, it's really because I, I don't think that they'll, they're over that hump yet until they can play with 100% confidence all the time, no matter if they're making shots or missing shots. Mm-hmm. Also, they don't necessarily shoot the ball well, mm-hmm. and until they can start shooting, you know, forty-five percent from the field consistently, I don't know if it's going to matter if they do all those little things well, and if they can, if they play with the effort that we see them play with, if they can't make shots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the the biggest thing that I've seen is um, like you mentioned their in like inability to shoot well consistently. When they're able to shoot the three ball well early in the game and get ahead, I think that's the biggest thing. 
like uh, in their most recent game, I mean, Ter- Teriana Gary went four for four from three in the first quarter and instantly propelled them into the lead. They were able to play with it and play their normal uh, their normal game. I think teams have started to come out in two three zones against Temple because they're they're not really able to shoot the three ball well, so mm-hmm. they'll play off and let them shoot from the outside. But then when they have to when they shoot well and the teams have to change their defense, that's when Temple can kind of pounce on them and play their game. Haven't we seen some games where, I mean, that's obviously if any team comes out of the gate shooting well, that's great. The coach loves it. The players love it. But they, they're they they're doing well in some categories that would be like effort categories that would get you over the hump on nights when yeah. you don't shoot it well, like offensive rebounding, like just, you know, corralling those misses, taking care of the ball and stuff like that. And on some nights it translates where they mm-hmm. haven't shot well and some nights it, it doesn't. Yeah. So. I mean, I think the thing with that is the kind of Reimer mentioned it. The the touch around the rim has not been good, mm-hmm. even though they're getting those offensive rebounds. I think they're they're either going back up and it's not going in, or they'll kick it out and they don't score after. So I think it's converting those offensive rebounds and second chances into points, and mm-hmm. I think that's where you'll see it turn around if they're able to do that and shoot well from like around the rim. Mm-hmm. Uh, shifting over to football real quick before we jump into the mailbag here to close things out. Davre Venu, an offensive lineman from Montreal, committed. Signing day is next Wednesday, February 7th, the February signing period. So we'll have more for you next week. Quite a, quite a few players are expected to sign next week with the Owls. So, again, they've continued to, to be busy in the portal, to try to find, in this case, uh, some help on, on the offensive line. We'll jump into the mailbag here. First question here from Temple fan Al. His question is, are all the transfers who committed on campus now? So... Uh, again, as Kyle mentioned on our message board, shameless plug for the Scoop scholarship board. If you're an Scoop subscriber, you can get a sense of every single player who's on scholarship right now and all the players who have enrolled as mid-year enrollees. So I would encourage everybody to check that out. Uh, most, I would say, are on campus for spring ball, but still awaiting some confirmation on that. But you can head over to the Alscoop.com football message board and you can check out the scholarship board to see how many scholarships have been used up and who's in as a mid-year enrollee next question from dblaze 75 again these are screen names from al scoop subscribers for basketball does temple win more than three games next oh sorry for football excuse me does temple win more than three games next season if not is stan drayton the coach in 2025 i have a lot to say about this topic Let's you, let me run down this, this the schedule real quick. And again, we're doing this in late January, just for context for for records. So, okay, non conference schedule next year is Oklahoma. They went ten and three this year. Coastal Carolina eight and five this year. Utah State six and seven, and UConn three and nine. Then Temple's going to host Army, which went six and six. They're going to host Florida Atlantic, which went four and eight. They're going to host North Texas, which went five and seven. They're going to host Tulsa, which went four and eight. They're going to play on the road at ECU. They went 2-10. and 10. Navy was 5-7. and seven. UTSA was 9-4 and four this year. No more Frank Harris for them. Frank Harris is, is calling it quits. What's that? Or Trey Moore. Yeah. Yeah. So, a very, very, very good defensive player. Uh, and Tulane on the road, 11-3. and three. So, the schedule, again, it's kind of, just is just for context and reference, there's been no spring ball yet, no preseason camp. No real read on any of these true freshmen who are coming into these programs. But if does Temple win with that as a background and all the stuff that we know about the program that we've been talking about, does Temple win more than three games next season? And if not, is Stan Drayton the head coach in 2025? We'll start with Ramir. 
No, I, I don't think they win more than three games simply mm. because I, I've been saying this since, you know, all the transfers, pretty much since EJ transferred. Every year they get worse. Every year Stan has been here, they have gotten worse. They have lost their core players, whether it was, you know, holdovers from Rod Carey's era or the the main guys, the single digits that come in or that earned their – the guys that earned single digits throughout Stan's tenure – They've all left. The only one that's left is Ian Stewart. Ian Stewart. He he he's the only one who's around, and Ian Stewart hasn't really played Temple in a Temple uniform all that often mm-hmm. since he's gotten here. The team, like I said, the team every year has gotten worse. Their offensive line has gotten worse with guys either you know transferring like Victor Stolfo or leaving and going to the draft or you know just graduating. And I just. Their best players. I, if you look at Temple's roster last year and compare it to what it is right now, arguably their top ten to fifteen players have left the program. I don't see how you replace those guys with. Granted, they were good whether they were at you know the Division two level or if it was FCS or um, JUCO. Like they were good where they were at, but they have no experience at a D one FBS. FBS, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. a D1 FBS program. So you have a bunch of unknown commodities. And even even Evan Simon, who transferred from, you know, Rutgers, that's a that's a Big Ten school, but yeah. he didn't look great when he, was, when he played. Mm-hmm. So you have a bunch of unknowns. You have a bunch of guys who still, like, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, um, excuse me, Adam Fisher in his first year. Like, these guys never played together. You know, these guys coming from all over. It's kind of like the same thing. I don't expect them to be able to put it together with the limited amount of talent that they have. And I, as much as I want to say, like, I think Stan should be back after that. It, it Granted, it depends on, you know, when Temple gets a, a new president yep. and whether or not that president decides to keep Arthur Johnson. And if, you know, even, even if they do keep Arthur Johnson and does he think is enough, and is he willing to give Stan another year? I don't think it's Stan's fault. Mm-hmm. Like I said, because all of his best players have left since he's been here. Like, I feel like the roster has gotten worse every year. It is hard. It's hard to say now because, you know, you, you don't know what these teams are or this team is yet. But it's hard to say that they'll win more than three games this year simply based off the fact that the talent that they have is – it's pretty much been depleted, and there's a bunch of unknowns. Declan? Yeah, I mean, just to, to echo what Ramir was saying, the best quarterback in your program history just transferred to Rice. Like, argue with the wall. You know, look at the numbers. It's true. Um, this year was their best chance at a dominant sort of Stan Drayton year. You know, they had not all of the pieces on defense, obviously, but like Ramir said, they they did improve from the first season in terms of they got more depth, especially in the secondary, but they still couldn't put the pieces together with that. The offense, they had more weapons. They couldn't put the pieces together. You know, they couldn't protect DJ on the offensive line. The defensive line just kept getting hurt and hurt. And now, you know, a lot of those best players that showed out last year are gone. And now you got to basically, for all intents and purposes, you're starting it at square one all mm-hmm. over again. It's It's – going to be tough to say first of all you look at that non-conference schedule they're not winning a game 
in their non-conference slate. Maybe they'll win one, right? Like, realistically speaking, their two wins in non-conference play this year were Akron and Norfolk State. Mm -hmm. And they had all sorts of weapons on that team that could have, you know, they were in the Rutgers game until the fourth quarter. That could have been a win. They blew it. You know, there were there were a couple conference games where they were in until the end, and they blew it. I just don't think there there is a lot, and we've talked about it a couple weeks ago. You know, there are reasons to be optimistic about this program. I just don't know that it'll show in the win column. And ultimately, with the way the business is, like you said, Rymer, with the president, you know, potentially coming in, maybe, you know, in how history has shown us a new athletic director probably realistically coming in. I just don't think – I don't think we're even – we shouldn't even talk about 2025 right now because there's going to be so many questions in the air in 2025. It's not even funny. Mm-hmm. But one of our loyal subscribers has asked us to talk about 2025. <laughs> I know, but I'm just saying, like, you know, it's it's impossible to sit here right now because 2024 is going to be, like, a, a massive year mm-hmm. for Temple in terms of lots of things are going to shift this year. Mm-hmm. And – it's it's tough to sit here in January and be like, this is going to be the direction of the university, much less the athletic program, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, who even knows? But realistically, and I like Stan a lot. He's a really cool guy. I got to do some good stories on him. I always enjoy covering him. The way the business is, he's probably gone in 2025. Like, that's just, that's that's the reality of college football these days. Like, you, that's, you know, there's only so much time you get. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with both of you, but I guess it's kind of hard to play devil's advocate after that argument there, Declan. But I think just to kind of, there there's a lot of, like you mentioned, there's a lot of JUCO guys. There's a lot of people that are playing, that have something to play for. This could be their last opportunity. And I think may, maybe there's a couple that stand out. Maybe there's a couple that get make make a big play and get you a win, like a Taiwan Francis getting that game ceiling interception. Or something like that, where you're in a close game and they make a play. I don't think that gets you to more than three wins, but I think maybe you can get like like Declan mentioned, maybe you can get two, maybe you can get maybe you can get three again. But I, I just I don't see with the way the roster is right now with losing ten to, to fifteen of your top players that like Ramir mentioned, it's just it's hard to see a way with the, like the schedule that you mentioned, John, that they find a way to win more than three, and then like everything that Declan mentioned, I. I I don't see a way that Stan Drayton's here at all in 2025. I am going to play devil's advocate. Of course, we can't predict what's going to happen in 2025, and we're sitting here recording on January 30th. But on January 30th, I'm going to tell you that Temple will win. I'm just going to write down the schedule. Super, super, super early look. They lose at Oklahoma. They lose to Coastal. They lose to Utah State. They beat UConn for win number one. They beat Army for win number two. They beat Florida Atlantic for win number three. They lose to North Texas. They beat Tulsa, and they beat ECU. And I might give them Navy for a sixth win. I think they win five games. I'll give them five. They're not beating UTSA. They're not certainly not beating Tulane on the road. I think they can win five games. I think even if they win four games, I think they win more than three. And I do think, again, you guys have made the, the obvious point that Temple will have a new president. How that, what the domino effects are administratively after that, I don't know. But let's say for argument's sake, and I'm, I'm not trying to wish this upon Arthur Johnson, but let's say we're playing the scenario, if there is a new athletic director, 
I think a new athletic director might come in and give Stan Drayton another year to say, let me see if I can work with this guy. Let me see if I can support him in ways that he wasn't supported before. Now, I think if they take a huge step backward next year and they're 1-11, I think all bets are off. Um, I, I think that they're going to win four, maybe five games next year. Again, talk to me and talk to me I was at the end of spring say, ball, but we'll see. I mean, we sat here in March and said that team was going to a bowl game. And now we we admitted a couple that weeks ago. That was off the record. None of that. Made it, to the <laughs> it, was, it was actually on the show. It was very on the very much on the show. Uh, that was off the record. And then we sat here a couple weeks ago and said this team roster wise has taken a step back. Like I I see your line of processing in that all of those teams you mentioned were also bad. Like the no question about it. But like I don't know. Like I I just I can't sit here in good conscience and say this is going to happen. You know. In Army and Navy, you have two service academies who play a certain style no matter who the coach is, no matter yeah. who the personnel is. I don't want to say they are super easy to game plan for, they're but easier. they're easier to game plan for. Yeah. And I think they have some other winnable games on the schedule, as always. Are they at the link or away from the link? They oh, host we- Army. They play at Navy. Yeah, they'll probably lose the Navy. They I wish, it was, I wish it was the other way around. I wish they were playing up at Army. I love yeah, that I would like trip. to see West Point, but I am excited to go to Annapolis. I'm not even yeah. gonna lie. I wouldn't want you to lie. Well, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't lie to you. <laughs> great song by the Eurythmics. Would I lie to you? Oh, it's that's great, a good great song. I wouldn't too. lie to these people as well listening to the podcast. <laughs> uh, next question here of the basketball nature from Temple J is the screen name. Do you see Zion Stanford fitting into Adam Fisher's system? So we know that Zion played a pretty good non-conference portion of the season and we know that he didn't play in a couple games adam fisher has said yeah you need to adjust this level of competition barely played the other night i don't know that adam fisher really has too much of a system i know people get super super stuck on the fact they say i want to shoot a lot of threes and then i'll joke around and say we're not shooting twos all that well either yes i think he fits whatever system adam fisher wants to utilize i think maybe the only type of player that may not fit a system, so to speak, is I think Adam Fisher likes to use his bigs in a way where they can play in space, they set screens, they can spread the floor. But even then, like, had Jameel Reynolds decided to stay and had he been healthy and had he stayed in pretty good shape, I still think Adam Fisher would have been like, yeah, I'll, I'll use, I can use a six foot 10 big man who can, who can play with his back to the, yeah, who can play with his way. back to the basket. Even if we play some possessions where we work inside out, I still think he would take him. So yes, I, I could see Zion Stanford fitting into Adam Fisher's system. I think he is very much hitting a wall as a freshman in terms of learning how to be tough, how to work through practices, how to just get around more film. As Adam said, there's more film of him out there. But I do think he has the skill. I think he has the ability. We'll see if he gets there. But, yes, I think he, he fits into a system. You guys have any other thoughts on that? No, I think you just got to remember, like, he's a freshman. Like, he ha- like there's going to be a learning curve. Almost always with freshmen, there's going to be a learning curve. And I get the frustration of he had a great non-conference slate, and you want to see it with you want to see him playing more and maybe trying to figure it out on the floor. But I think Adam is trying to kind of take it slow with him and kind of let him learn. No, he's also a freshman, and the big thing with the American, and they've said it, you know, for years now, is how physical the conference is, right? So I think that is, we've seen that as well. I mean, he was playing, you know, he was getting in the mid-range a lot in non-conference play and, like, getting toward the basket, 
And, uh, you know, he, you just can't do that in conference play these days. So, you know, we've seen Jordan Riley adapt to it really well, but, you know, Zion, for whatever reason, had really struggled with that. So I think it's the, the style of play has changed specifically from that time that he was really thriving. Jordan Riley also played a couple seasons in the – in the Big East. Oh, he's athletic as all get and, out. Yeah, he and he's, just a, jump. he's a high major athlete. Yeah. And I'm not saying that – I think – well, I'll say this. I think Zion Stanford pleasantly surprised some people. Again, he was a very good he, – he was a solid player at West Catholic who continued to get better for a program that they continued to get better. Yeah. I think that he had even more of an impact in November and December than people thought he might. And, yes, it's not uncommon. I know someone's going to say – Oh, don't give me he's just a freshman. Plenty of freshmen come in and play really well right away. Get that. We'll see. I, I think, again, I think it just has as much of a uh, – as anything else, I think it has as much to do with the fact that, yeah, I think Adam said it. Like, hey, you got to learn how to practice better, work harder. Again, there's more film of you out there. And, yeah, it is. For a guy like him who can be a wing guard but wants to drive in, it's, it's a, it is. It's a more physical league. There was somebody talking about this on our message boards – People were contesting back and forth, like, does uh, the Temple should have won that game? Uh, you know, where's the, the the level of talent? Like, ECU has a more talented roster right now. I know that's more subjective than anything, but, you know, driving in. And, again, he did it against some teams like St. Joe's. I think the ability is there, but I, I still think that Zion Sanford has a lot to learn. It doesn't mean that he won't learn it. But I think this is very much an important stretch for him to learn, stay patient, and it's tough. That's something that I talked to Jaleel White about in our interview. Like, how do you stay together when you've lost six in a row? What does that look like? How do you stay together, stick together when Adam Fisher says that? Stick together. Easier said than done. But he's one of the guys, among everyone else on that roster, that has to kind of just get through that the stretch that they're in right now, however long it's going to last. You, you also have to remember, like, he – Offensively, he's the same player right now as um, Jaleel White is. They they play they play when they go zone when teams go zone they play in the middle. He, they both play in the middle. They're they're both the same type of offensive player. Whereas downhill doesn't really have a great outside shot. Can hit the mid range occasionally and is very much downhill. Get to the rim. They're the same player offensively, and it's hard to have those two type of guys on the floor at the same time. And it's conference play, so lineups shrink anyway. Or um, yep. rotation no, shrink anyway. Point. So if Ja is going to be out on the floor thirty minutes a night, then that only leaves what ten for Zion, and not to mention he's been hurt. Yeah. So you have to take that into account. And there's just been guys who have been more consistent. So it's kind of hard to see him on the floor right now. Well, and Zion just doesn't give you what Ja gives you on defense too. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like regardless of the offensive end. So. When you put it like that, like it makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. Sticking with basketball, Temple fan Al, 10 games left in the season, over, under on three wins. You take in the, the over or the under on three wins. So let's let's look at the rest of the season here. That's a brutal question. It's yeah. a brutal question. That's a brutal question. Not one that fans, even if, even if you had Temple as a team that wasn't going to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, tough question. So the remaining 10 games, this Sunday – the Owls are at Tulane. Then four days later, they host Memphis at the Leah Corps Center. Then they host Charlotte three days later. Very good Charlotte team that's coming to the American, playing well at the Leah Corps Center. Then they're at FAU. Then they're at UTSA after that. Oh, no, excuse me. They're, they're at FAU. 
They host UTSA on February 18th. Then they go to Wichita State on February 25th. They play at Rice on February 28th. They host Tulsa on March 2nd. They host UAB on March 7th. And then they finish up at UTSA on March 10th. So let's let's do this. We'll go right down the line here and see if we can come up with three wins. I'm not going to lie. I counted exactly three as you were saying it. Okay. But let's see. At Tulane this Sunday, but rapid fire, Johnny, win or loss? L. Loss. loss. Declan. Loss. Ramir. Loss. loss. Yeah, I think they lose Sunday. February 8th, Memphis at the Leah Corps Center. Well good, that That's a loss. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's it, the whiteout, yeah. though. Yeah. Nick Jordan game. Yeah, the Nick Jordan game. Nick Could Jordan be a good dangerous. atmosphere. Should be a good atmosphere. Um, Memphis, look, Memphis has had some blind spots. They've had some moments of weaknesses, but they're a very talented team. I think we all have that as a loss. They're a very talented team with a chip on their shoulder now. Looking to now looking over their back at conference opponents because yeah. they've lost three or you know three times this year. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Charlotte at the Leah Core Center, February eleventh. That's loss. that's probably probably the bad loss. I would say. Yeah, Charlotte, we all have that as a loss. So right now we don't have a win yet. F at FAU, coming off a, fo- a Final Four appearance, February fifteenth. <laughs> uh, move to the next one. That's another yeah. loss. A loss at FAU. February 18th, Sunday against UTSA. I'm going to say they're going to win this game. I said I, the same I'll give thing. them a win. I'll give them I a win. I said the same thing. They split with UTSA. They're going to break their losing streak. At that point, it'll be what? 10, ten games? 10 games. Ten yeah, 11, so they've yeah. lost six in a row. If they lose to Tulane, that's seven. They lose to Memphis, that's eight. Lose to Hurl, that's nine. Yeah, that's that's tough. Like, they could be looking at a 10-game losing streak and when Adam Fisher says we gotta stick together, stick together, a ten game losing streak is a ten game losing streak. That's gonna be that's gonna be tough. So we all have UTSA as a win. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Bounce back. February twenty fifth at Wichita State. Johnny, it's so tough. I, I'm gonna say win. I'm gonna be optimistic mm-hmm. there. They both only have one win in conference play right now. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a loss because it's a road game. Yeah, I agree. They I'm struggle gonna, on the road. To, I'm gonna give it to the home team. I'm giving them a win at Wichita State. February 28th, the all-important revenge game at Rice. Loss. Wow. I don't know. They should have won that Rice game. I think that they'll play with the chip on their shoulder. And I'm, I'm going to say, I'm gonna say <laughs> win. I'll give them a win. I'm going to say win. I'm going to win at that game, too. I think they get on a little bit of a – I'm going to I'm gonna say they get on a little bit of a mini roll here. What I hope so. Like, I'm not I'm not swayed. In my, I, I do think it's a loss. I think it's a close loss, though. And I think it's because they have some momentum after that win that we just predicted. But I don't know. I just I think Rice played them, figured them out in that game. And yes, they did choke it away. But I think Rice figured them out in that final stretch. Well, I, I think a lot of teams figure them out. They don't have a ton of they don't, don't have a ton. <laughs> That's of what I'm great, saying. That's what I'm they saying. They don't have a ton of great shooters. <laughs> That's my point. Close out on Piccarelli. That's what I'm saying. You know, I right. Tulsa at the Leah Corps Center, March second. Loss. I don't know. I'll say I'll say I'm I'm being optimistic here again. I'll say win. I'm giving them, I'm giving them a win. I think they go on a four game winning streak. They beat UTSA. They beat Wichita State. They beat Rice and they beat Tulsa. It's it's so hard to say. Because join the join join the party of positivity over here. Come on, Ramir. We've got you, some you know dip. Hop on negativity. We've got Hop some on the snacks. train, Ramir. Hop on. We splurged for some Carlinos and. Uh, 
some De Bruno Brothers. We've got some good snacks at the Party of Positivity over here. We got we got Spread Zero right here. See, while while that sounds nice, (laughs) while that sounds nice, (laughs) I am a I am a realist at the end of the day, and it's hard. It's you look at those teams and you be like, okay, yeah, they're bad, but Temple is also bad. So it's kind of it's kind of like come to the negative trade. We should be they should be able to beat them. I'm still I'm still stuck on while that sounds nice. Come to the negative trade. I can go five miles an hour. Salad works. Can you see Ramir like dipping his head in? Like, this looks like a nice spread. Oh, give me a chip. Give me just. I can't stay. I can't stay. <laughs> I I'm go. so sorry. Come Thank to the negative so train, baby. Can't. We serve salad works. We go five miles an hour, always running late. It's perfect. <laughs> Ramir, we got Sprite Zero. Wait. It, it, this is the, the negativity train. You serve salad works. You go five miles per hour. And we're always late. And you're always late. Sometimes and if there's and if that train doesn't have a bathroom, that is my personal health. Sometimes we skip stops just yeah. randomly. Yeah. Always lets you down. Yeah. I can't. I'm sorry. I just, I, I can't. It's, well, I'm aboard, brother. It's hard. It's hard to say that they're going to beat a team when they're also bad. So I just don't, I don't see it. You, and I'm I, I'm truly sticking by my they're going to win 10 games this year and I already got them at 10 with them beating UTSA yeah. and I think it was Wichita State. So UAB at the Leo Core Center March 7th on Thursday. That's an ESPN2 game. Wow. But please tell me why Temple should go back to the A-10. You know. All right, big fella. <laughs> Sorry, that wasn't really talking to you. <laughs> Talk your trash. Let's go. UAB March 7th at home. Johnny, Loss. I agree. I mean, they got losses for me here on out. So stay with my prediction. So, do we even ask you? Probably not. Oh, well, crazy. he's gonna call it a loss for me. Easy. Well, well, I was more. Sounds saying, like Johnny's like, he, coming he, on the negativity <laughs> train. Well, I was more saying Johnny's he, the conductor. <laughs> and he's got a mustache. All right. So to review before we move on here, Declan's at a push. Yep. Johnny and I will take the over. Vimeer under. Definitely taking the under. Does not want to come to our our positivity party. I'm disappointed. Dips in for some spinach dip. (laughs) Staying on business. Staying on business. Dips in for some spinach dip. I think I think we should offer the get some kisses from the red fruit snacks. The red fruit snacks. Yeah, we have red fruit snacks. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. We only have the blue ones. So, (laughs) oh, Ramirez gonna have to change his mind. That's the point. (laughs) That's the point of the negativity train. (laughs) That's funny. Final question to close us out here from Off the Hook Three on Twitter. Another one of our loyal listeners. Two-part question. Looking back at some of the guests you've had on The Scoop, which guest was your favorite? And number two, is there someone you were dying to have on? I'll, I'll, I'll send this over to you guys. In the, in the modern era of The Scoop, in which you guys have been working on the show here, do you have a favorite guest? I think I know what your answer is going to be. Mine? Yeah. All of, all of you. Oh. There is a clear number one, but there are a couple honorable mentions. Oh, I'll throw yes. out there too. I think, yeah, I think we both have the clear number one. You want to say it on three? Yes. One, two, three. Diane, Diane Richardson. Richardson. Yes. Yeah. Yay. That was that's easily number one. We the most it. the most downloaded episode of the scoop of all time. Wow. Higher than any pod that we have done. There are tip there are a couple of things that drive subscriptions, readership numbers, engagement, all that stuff. Take notes, those of you at home. Yes, thank you, Declan. Uh recruiting coverage, coaching changes, stuff like that. That typically drives things we got a lot of numbers a lot of downloads when Aaron McKee and Temple parted ways when they hired Adam Fisher those two podcasts those two and three around that stretch performed really well for us 
the Diane Richardson pod most downloaded episode of all time, The Scoop, which mm-hmm. speaks to I think the like just the quality of the conversation with her. She was awesome. They also shared the hell out of that pod, which was very yeah. much appreciated. But yeah, she was incredible. Yeah. I mean, she's she a great, is. great conversation. Like that, I think Declan said it last week. We we try our best to be fair and objective, but she's an easy person to to root for. Doesn't 100%. mean we're standing up on press row clapping our hands and. I, I, I told them um, before. I'm all for journalistic integrity, except for when it comes to Diane Richardson. I just love her that much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, she's easy, easy person to root Throw for. Away my career. <laughs> Throw, I'm throwing away my career for Diane Richardson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there were definitely a couple honorable mentions. I mean, our conversation with Taiwan Francis was yeah. awesome, too. Yes. Mm-hmm. That really sticks out. Um, Jordan McGee as well. That conversation that I believe you guys had, with where Jordan. it was Jordan Yavandi. And then Ed Sadie, I believe, popped in as well. We were supposed, to get, we're supposed to get Sadie. We're supposed to get Sadie. Okay, my fault. That's my number one, simply because I wasn't here for the um, Diane Richardson one. Yeah. And then um, when John and I talked to Victor Stoffel this summer, that was really fun, too. Yeah. Yeah. We got to talk about uh, Ikea and Swedish meatballs. <laughs> That's <laughs> amazing. Yeah. I would say, well, f- for me, the, the Diane episode is up there. I thought it was... A lot of fun to talk to Joe Klecko. Mm-hmm. And this tells you this is this is this goes to show you like what people engage with and what people don't, like age groups and stuff. You talk to a guy who is about to be inducted into the Hall of Fame, and the Joe Klecko episode didn't have as many episodes as the Diane Richardson episode. But I, you know, I, I enjoyed the conversation. It was really fun. I mean, like I heard about Joe growing up because my mom grew up in Chester with her her two brothers, my uncles. My grandparents lived there for a fair amount of time. My uncles went to St. James. I think they were a couple years older than Joe. And when he got to the NFL, they told me a little bit about his story. This is great. This is awesome for Chester. So it was really cool to be able to talk to him. I would say any any episode I've done with Kevin Nagandi, it's always fun to have him on. Having my buddy Andrew Goldstein on, who's been in a bunch of different comedy writing positions because he intersects with Temple Sports and comedy. Um, Underrated. I, I liked, uh, maybe just because I like him, but when Jeff Nyberg came on, we had, uh, we had some good times. We'll, we'll vote yeah. for Jeff Nyberg. We, we had some good that times on that conversation. He'll appreciate that. We'll have to ask this to, to, to Kyle. Oh, next he's a, week because he'll have he's a, he's a his, his good he's got a photographic memory. Is there someone you are dying to have on? Let's have fun Ooh. with this to close things out. Like think of let's go big with this and think of how you would even if it's not a temple person, someone you're dying to have on where you could maybe ask them a couple of temple related questions. I don't want to. I'm gonna take the cop out. Well, it's not really a cop out answer. And it's, It'd be very, very difficult to have this person on, but I would love to have a conversation with John Cheney. Just well, of course, yeah. <laughs> it would very be very, difficult, very difficult. To to <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, it I would think be. very difficult. Maybe it doesn't put it into words. Though, <laughs> oh boy! If 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 we can somehow. Ta- channel him in from heaven. Hey, if you have any ideas, <laughs> supernatural <laughs> conversation with John. That Jimmy. would be drop it in the mailbag. Look, if next we don't week. get if, if that's if ideas. that's not a heavily downloaded episode, I don't know what will be. <laughs> that, that better be number one. That would right get away. worldwide coverage. <laughs> Philadelphia-based podcasts. 
Tweet at Ryan Philadelphia based podcast <laughs> interviews interviews John Shaney from the heavens. Anybody, you know, if you're listening out there and you have ideas on like reincarnation, you know, send them to Ryan Please. <laughs> Well, they have those like ghost apps where you can where you can talk where they they talk to you. What do you think that would work? We should bring a medium on and have them <laughs> talking to talking to a medium and connecting with John Cheney through a medium would be wild. That'd be sweet. That would be absolutely that, wild. That would be the top episode of all time. Just just ever stop. Ever. Full stop. Period. Full stop. I do. I do. I think we played. We might have played. A clip or two of John Cheney on the scoop when the day that Aaron was hired, but by no means did we have him for a one-on-one. Uh, yes, I, I do. I, I wish, I wish with every fiber of my being that you guys could have interviewed him. He was, he was just incredible. But yeah, that would be, uh, that would certainly be, a, that would certainly be a must listen if we could interview him from the, <laughs> from the grave. <laughs> All right, let's take a beat there and. Uh, uh, center ourselves again as, as wonderful one. as it would be to interview John Cheney. It's going to be difficult to in top the heavens. that answer. Yes. I'm not going to lie. Um, but tying back to uh, I have actually two answers. So uh, my my more serious answer um, I would love to have Don Staley on. Oh yeah. That would be incredible yes. just to talk about like her time at Temple and how that translated. Very beyond. good one. I think that would be that would probably get a lot of listens as well, uh, but I would love to talk to her. And then, speaking of real quick, speaking of doing a posthumous interview, if we could talk to Dave O'Brien, God rest his soul, the former Temple athletic director who hired her and convinced her to get into coaching. Dave's no longer with us. Dave passed away several years ago. He was the Temple athletic director who went to her and convinced her to get into coaching. Yeah, so Dave really was cool. Dave was a very very kind human being. But yeah, Don Staley would be incredible. Yeah, and then. Uh, you know, for our, our more avid listeners of the uh, of the scoop, you'll understand this answer from some of the episodes we did over the summer. But uh, I'm bringing on Bigfoot. We're having some conversations <laughs> with Bigfoot. <laughs> we're we're you know Where have you been we're hashing years? out we're hashing it out. You know, can can we get Bigfoot into Temple Marketing? That, that's the funny thing about podcasting, and I talk about this in classes. Like you never know what sort of gimmicky, funny thing is going to latch on with people, and people love that. People love the Bigfoot conversation. It's hard not to, you know, Bigfoot. Just picturing him walking around cherry and white, just you know, got that got that red on. Yeah, walking out of the student center, heading up, you know, main <laughs> chorus walk, just chilling. High fiving people, you know, getting just getting out there hiding, going T for W, hiding behind <laughs> trees on Lee Chorus Walk. Like, you gotta get just, you gotta get him on the court. he's got to be talked about that as well. Yeah. <laughs> We'd have to get him at least his GED, I believe. That's doable. <laughs> yeah. that's, oh, that's doable. just just pass it. We'll just have him pass a test, right? It's just you could just pass a test. Yeah, again, that's how right? the GED works. Yeah, we just well, you know, I'm just saying. Sure. Like, just, <laughs> I, my, I was I was working towards saying just like scam it so that he can pass. <laughs> Yes, yes, that's how a GED works. <laughs> oh, God, that was funny. That was pretty good. What's your answer, Johnny? Did you guys ever see Teen Wolf? Teen Wolf? With Michael J. Fox, the movie? No, no. I've never. Yeah, he like becomes a wolf, becomes a werewolf, and he becomes a very good basketball player. That's what I'm thinking of. Oh, good for him. You ever seen Luck of the Irish? <laughs> good for him. The kid becomes a <laughs> leprechaun and becomes a good basketball no. player? No, I did not see <laughs> that. That's a good one, too. You're doing very well filling the Kyle role this <laughs> <Thank> week. <you. laughs> Thank you. Good for, did you say good for him? Or? <laughs> yeah, so good for him. That's awesome. Oh, my Lord. Any other any other dream guests? Um, I mean, I know like 
I know I'm sure you've all, like talked to him or had him on before. Uh, Fran Dunphy, I know he's had. Uh, he tells a lot of good stories. I feel like he'd be a cool guy to talk to. Just like sit down and just talk with his time at Temple and just mm-hmm. the story he stories he has. I I don't have a funny one like Bigfoot. <laughs> Talking to the dead with John Cheney. Bigfoot and Fran but, Dumphy <laughs> on the pod this what week, radio, live from LaSalle. What a radio hour, you know, just yeah. have Bigfoot and Fran Dumphy on like CBS radio. Bigfoot, uh, <laughs> great to be with you. Appreciate the question. That's very kind of you to say. Um, yeah, he would be very nice to him. I, I, I bet. I bet. Uh, but yeah, I don't have a funny one. So. What, about, what about you, John? Allen Iverson talking about playing with Aaron McKee. Mm. That'd be Ooh. sick. Don Staley would be a good one. I would love to sit down with Daryl Hall and John Oates and maybe be the peacekeepers and say, yeah, hey, good luck with that. you guys aren't on great terms right now. <laughs> Let's come back home, come home, remember what brought you guys together. Mm. The love of uh, and the passion of the Philly music scene in North Philadelphia. You guys sit down and iron out your differences on the scoop. I bet you you'd have uh, some private eyes watching that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, say that again. Private eyes <laughs> are watching you, and they're listening to the scoop. <laughs> That's <Nelson>. very good. <laughs> that was very, very good. Thank you. Good. Thank very you. good. We'll shout out to Molly Fisk, our, our features editor yes. at the Temple News, who Go has a story that. out this week on, it's a, really basically an explainer on the, the lawsuit. Um, very good story. Right very now. good story. Yeah, good story if you want to check it out. Yeah, very sad. Maybe bring maybe bring Jason Kelsey on and say, hey, you played you played That'd played Cincinnati. Sweet. What's your temple? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ask him some some American Athletic Conference questions, something along those lines. Oh, duh, Hassan Reddick. Yeah, oh, we yeah. have not had. I mean, I've interviewed Hassan a bunch of times before. Never. I don't think we've had him on the scoop. Regardless, having him back on that PJ Walker on Brady McManus. Talk to I mean I can't. Well, we used to (laughs) McManus used to be our intro before we went to Dion. That was a good call. Friend of the show. We could get we could get we'll get Brandon McManus on. I don't know that we've had Sean Bradley on for a one on one. I have to go back. I'm gonna do. I gotta go. I did not prepare for this one as much as yeah. You know, we have, we have some people to reach out to. Yeah, yeah. But like. I like this question off the hook three. Appreciate it. Especially, like, in the summer when you have less structure and you can just, like, have these conversations Whereas with people. Whereas this podcast was super structured. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you get what I'm saying. Like, you know, we, we don't, you know, we talk about summer ball for a little we bit. We were taskmasters, rigid taskmasters this week. <laughs> but I, you Too know. much structure this week. And it gives them more time as well. Yes. That they can just sit, that, sit back and talk with us, so. Yeah. Well, you know? Appreciate all the mailbag questions. We'll be back with you guys next week. Maybe we'll, if Kyle's back with us next week, we'll ask him about his favorite podcast guest in the past and maybe somebody he would be eager to have on the show or dying to have on the show. And our Justice League comparisons, too. We got a debrief. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you all for joining (laughs) us again on The Scoop. We will talk to you soon.